Good morning, Colorado. You're listening to the Daily Sun Up with the Colorado Sun. It's Tuesday, January 2nd. Today, Sun reporter Jason Blevins talks about the man from a prominent New York City family who is buying up thousands of acres of farmland in Colorado, Kansas, and New Mexico to try to help farming communities. Before we begin, join the Colorado Sun as it brings the series High Cost of Colorado to the virtual stage. Discussions will include conversation around the high cost of housing, food, personal entertainment, the strain on Coloradans' budgets, and what's bothering our readers. Join for free on January 16th and RSVP today at coloradosun.com events. Now, let's go back in time with some Colorado history. The Colorado State Capitol is more than just an architectural landmark. It stands as the state's most significant symbolic site and houses the General Assembly. Since its inaugural session on this date in 1895, the building has embodied a blend of architectural elegance and political purpose. Despite its prolonged construction, the Capitol swiftly became the state's symbolic heart, especially after the 10th General Assembly convened there. This assembly was notable for its diverse representation, including James Brown, the son of the landowner Henry Brown, Joseph Stewart, the state's first African-American legislator, and Casimiro Barella, a long-serving senator advocating for Latino issues. The 1895 assembly also saw the election of Clara Cressingham, Carrie Holly, and Frances Clock, the first women legislators in American history. Their service not only set a precedent in Colorado, but also for America. Before we continue, a quick thank you to our members who make it possible for the Colorado Sun to bring you your news about our beautiful, complex state. If you aren't yet a member, consider joining now to support local journalism and gain access to member newsletters. Start your membership today at coloradosun.com join. Next, our future story. Welcome to the new year, everyone, and thanks for sticking with us here at the Daily Sunup. I'm David Krause, one of the editors at the Colorado Sun, and I am happy to be here today with Sun reporter Jason Blevins to kick off the new year at the Sun Up. JB, how's it going today? Doing well. Happy New Year, DK. Hey, Happy New Year to you. What is this? Uh, we've known each other, well, geez, I was thinking the other day, over 20 years, I know that for sure. Probably sure. getting close to 22, 23 years, so... Um, Always good to just start another one here with my buddy. Um, yeah. So, Jason, let's uh, let's jump right in. Typically, you and I headed up on Mondays. We talk about the outdoors. We talk about head uh, mountain town issues since we're both up in the hills. But for the Sunday feature over the weekend, you had a really intriguing story uh, way out on actually the Eastern Plains, kind of uh, different uh, area for you to kind of uh, roam a little bit, but. Jason, let's jump into it. Um, you have a really good story about a New York City-raised kid who has now become one of the biggest landowners in the state, as well as around the country. Uh, Jason, what's going on out on the Eastern Plains? Yeah, Stefan Soloviev, um, sort of a heir to a New York City fortune um, who has, for the past 20 years, been kind of quietly acquiring... Um, farmland in eastern Colorado, western Kansas, uh, New Mexico, um, and he owns somewhere around 500,000 acres of land right now, making him the 24th largest landowner in the country. Very interesting young man, 48 years old, could pass for 30, really fit, and um, and is very 
influential out there on the Eastern Plains in the ag community. He has, um, he recently built a grain elevator, uh, the siding along a railroad that he bought. He bought a 122 mile towner line, a dormant railroad that uh, he rehabbed and is shipping grain as of this spring uh, to the National Nail Rail Network outside of Pueblo, UP Tracks, Union Pacific. Um, and he made a play for the Tennessee Pass line, wanting to possibly move his grain west over Tennessee Pass, Battle Mountain Pass. Um, that track has also been dormant since 1997. Um, and and uh, really has a new idea about how he can grow or lease acres um, and expand ship, store, transport, and is possibly even looking at internationally exporting Colorado grain. Major play, you know, going up against the likes of Archer Daniel Midland and Carhill and some of these really huge, you know, hundreds of billions of dollars of revenue, billions of revenue every year. Um, and he's making a play and he, it's, he's an interesting man. He came from, you know, New York real estate. His dad built skyscrapers, sort of a renowned, um, developer of some of the most iconic skyscrapers in New York city. Um, but he's been out on the Eastern plains in Kansas for 20 something years, um, working with farmers, growing, running, farm operations. He's very hands-on. He is a farmer. Um, and just an interesting guy who's having an oversized impact in on the Eastern Plains. And I talked to a bunch of farmers out there and there has not been a single individual who has come and, and made this kind of play, uh, you know, in, in farm country. There's obviously, you know, major corporations that make these kind of plays, but not a guy. And he goes around and he drives out to all these farmhouses and he sits down with farmers and he says, grow grain on my land, sell me your grain, I'll store it for you, I'll ship it to the National Rail Network and heck, maybe I'll even put it on a ship and drive it to uh, China. And I promise you I will get the best money, the best dollar for your bushel versus what you can get from these mega corporations. And he's winning, he's winning supporters out there. It's Pretty interesting fella. Jason, what do you think motivates him, a guy that comes, you know, from a billionaire family who grew up in New York, has all the lavish things that he, you would think an East Coast person would want? What do you think drove him to buy that first property um, in Kansas, what, 20 years ago, like you wrote about? Yeah, so he started, 20 years ago, he started with 309-acre parcel in Sumner County, Kansas. He was in his 20s, uh, had a young family, lived with his family out there. He moved away from New York City um, and set up shop in Kansas and Scotts Bluff, Nebraska, and really learned and, you know, sort of tutored at the, at the you know, feet of, of established farmers and learned a lot. Says he learned everything from these, you know, veteran farmers. Um, and he, he saw an opportunity is what he says. You know, he, he was trading commodities since he was 12, got into grain and thought, wow, what if I could control the production of grain? And so that led him into farming. And the next thing you know, he's slowly, he's using the federal farm credit system and he's borrowing money. This is not his father's money. 
um, for for the first 10, 15 years or so. Uh, and he started just acquiring acreage, you know, at super low interest rate, 2%, um, you know, loans for 30 year loans for all these acres. And he's learned to farm them and he's developed sort of a minimal till, even no till agriculture operation where he leaves his stocks in the ground. He moves those stocks, you know, he'll go pick up those stocks after he harvests them, harvests them and bring them down to New Mexico where he's got 5,000 head of cattle on about 300,000 acres. Um, really innovative, out-of-the-box thinker uh, who's who's kind of changing the way, changing some traditional business models in agriculture. And I think that's, you know, he, he's very impassioned about agriculture and agribusiness. Um, he's he's sort of coming into the limelight right now and being very public about his his business, whereas he's worked kind of uh, behind closed doors for many years. Um, and he recently went to New York City. And in New York City, he's got this six-acre play in the East, East Manhattan where he's going to build 1,500-something homes and a giant casino. I mean, we're talking a billion-dollar play. Um, he's got one of the most iconic skyscrapers in the city, you know, views of Central Park right off Central Park, um, that he's got, you know, 100% occupancy of some 1.4 million square feet of office space, um, major player in New York City. And you can imagine at this at this forum, he finally comes out and he's he's going public and the the host of the forum is really prodding him on like, oh my gosh, so let's talk about New York, man, you got all this stuff. And he got a bandage on his hand and all he wants to talk about was loading his first unit train the night before in in uh you know his weskin grain elevator in eastern kiowa county along the border and shipping it on his new railroad all the way to pueblo and how he's gonna chain you know making making waves in the agricultural business and agricultural industry <laughs> this this host was a little baffled like okay and i think he said actually like can we stop talking about farming <laughs> and, and <laughs> Stefan Solovey? I was like, no, we're not going to stop talking about farming. You guys need to step out of your bubble. It's a very telling interview. I linked to it in the story, but you know, and I sat down with him for a couple hours out on the Eastern plains and we sort of roaming interview and he's an open book, which is very unusual for a billionaire. I don't know if you've ever, interviewed a billionaire but usually they have people next to them when they're interviewing um this was just me and him and he's super chatty and you know he was, he was willing to share just about everything he's a very interesting man for sure one of the most interesting interviews i've ever had jason why do you think he's flown under the radar so uh for so long uh given everything he's done well he, he just kind of you know, he's not super public. Like, say, um, you know, we have billionaire landowners in Colorado, obviously, John Malone, um, Louis Bacon, William Harrison in Sun Lily Valley. But uh, Stefan Soloviev has kind of, you know, he's just been heads down. He's been actually driving tractors and farming and meeting with farmers. And he travels with his son, a 20-year-old um, Quinton, who is he calls his best friend. And they are working with farmers and um recently about uh, last month and in, in early december he put out ads in all the local newspapers saying i'm done buying land i'm going to lease my land back to farmers at a market rate 
and you can grow your crop on my land. And hopefully you'll choose to use my grain elevator and my railroad. And eventually we'll move it all the way to international markets if, if you know, this whole thing goes well. And he said, you know, he sort of noticed that farmers were being affected by his buying and acquisition of so many acres. You know, he'd go to an auction and he'd be able to outbid everybody. And that sort of had a ripple effect on land values and just sort of the communities out there as he as he consolidated. And he's recognized that. And he says he wants to work with farmers and make them more money. Um, pretty interesting approach. And, you know, he, he goes and sits down with these farmers in their living room with his son and they... They sort of marvel like, wow, when was the last time any CEO came to visit me about my whatever thousand acre farm, um, you know, that's a, a drop in the bucket for the, some of these mega corporations. So, um, you know, he's, he's shaking things up out there. Yeah. It's interesting to see how people can change their mindset, right? When they, when they leave the big city and they come out and they just see miles and miles of miles and miles and i'm sure it's probably intriguing you mentioned it he's getting out of the land building or the land sales and acquisition and buying stuff jason but what what do you think the five-year plan the 10-year plan is um for him to really be able to to build some community out there and have some of the skeptics uh, uh take their wall down so to speak yeah and you know it's interesting you said sort of changed their mindset it's not just him. It's not just this East Coast kid that came in. You know, he's got tattoos up his arm. Um, he has an incredibly large family, um, and he's really young. Um, you know, he's got kind of hair that falls into his face. And the farmers, the people on the Eastern Plains community have changed their mindset as well. If you told a lot of these folks 20 years ago, ah, some New York kids coming around buying all this land, they would not have wanted to sit down and be like, well, let's invite him over for a beer um that's just you know they're they're protected kind of you know community out there and there's always some sort of antagonism or annoyance or call it what you will over people bringing outside money into these small eastern plains communities saying i'm gonna buy all these acres and here we go you know buckle up um you know, there's natural sort of concern over these outside forces that come in, um, whether it's a corporation or an individual. And he's winning over supporters. It's pretty interesting to see. He's got, um, you know, he, he's very congenial. He's a very charming fella. And he can kind of, uh, you know, win over supporters. Um, and that's something that's kind of, that's his number one purpose right now. That's what he's going out there to do. He's promising he's not going to buy any more land. And his thing is, hey, you know, let's let's uh, work together on supporting my railroad plans. And if this all goes well, I'll maybe have my own port and maybe I'll have my own cargo ships. And maybe I'll start moving grain, you know, to international markets. Um, he also has the railroad down in the San Luis Valley. He bought the uh, San Luis Valley uh Rio Grande Railroad. He's renamed it the um, Colorado Pacific Rio Grande. Um, and he uh, is, it used to be the San Luis and Rio Grande Railroad. And now it's the um, it's Colorado Pacific, which is his railroad company. But he, you know, he's going to start working with farmers out there. 
and um, maybe getting their potatoes, you know, over the hill into, um, you know, the, the front range there connected to the National Rail Network just outside of Walsenburg, that railroad. And he's really winning supporters out there. Um, I, if you'd read uh, earlier the last year when I wrote about um, his purchase of that railroad, there was another bidder um, that, that had come in and said, absolutely not. We are not allowing recreational access on our on this railroad that's in bankruptcy. And that sort of riled locals who are hoping to develop a trails network across the valley. And Stefan Solomiev had said, hey, I'm more than happy to work with recreation. Sounds like a great idea. Let's see what we can do. He's got that sort of, um, you know, let's work together approach, uh, which is unusual for railroad owners. If anyone has followed the railroad industry, they are not necessarily community focused. Um, so uh, it's going to be interesting to see how he can maybe <laughs> stitch together these different railroads and possibly create, you know, a, a another billion dollar competitor to, you know, some of these very well established and long time agribusinesses, global agribusinesses. Really interesting stuff when you drive out in that part of the country and you just don't realize all the I mean, you think about family farms and all that, but you don't understand some of the backstories and the history and who owns what out there. You can go check it out at coloradosun.com. As I mentioned earlier, it was part of our Colorado Sunday feature. You can sign up for that newsletter as well. Also want to remind our listeners that at the Colorado Sun, we care about accuracy, inclusion, and transparency. And we are now recently a new member of the Trust Project. So you can check that out at coloradosun.com slash ethics. Jason Blevins, make it a great week and make it a great new year, buddy. Yeah, happy new year, everybody. You can read more at coloradosun.com. Finally, here are a few stories that you should know about today. Starting this week, Coloradans who need to take time off to take care of sick loved ones will get some relief. After a year of paying into the fund, employees can now apply for paid family leave and get up to 90% of their regular wages. Business owners also paid into the fund, which is up to $775 million. It's one of a handful of new Colorado labor laws and rules for the workplace. Another limits age discrimination of job applicants, and another increases the minimum wage while one has employers facing higher payroll costs. It should be an interesting week for the Colorado Republican Party. The state GOP is asking the U.S. Supreme Court to overturn the Colorado Supreme Court's decision to block Donald Trump from appearing on the March 5th primary ballot. Filing the appeal may ensure that Trump will be in the primary. The Colorado Supreme Court stayed its decision to keep Trump off the primary ballot until Thursday, or until the U.S. Supreme Court rules on any appeal. State law requires the Colorado Secretary of State's office to set the ballot by January 5th, which is Friday. Becky Mitchell is representing Colorado's water interests as western states work on new sharing rules as the current Colorado River Compact is set to expire. As the state's representative on the Upper Colorado River Commission, Mitchell has to make sure the needs of Coloradans are met while balancing the requests of neighboring states, and they have to work out ways to conserve water so there's enough to go around. Sun Water reporter Shannon Mullaney spent time with Mitchell during a major water conference last month and profiles how her decisions will have impacts for decades to come. For more information on all of these stories, visit our website, coloradosun.com. And don't forget to tune in again next time. 
The Colorado Sun is nonpartisan and completely independent. We're always dedicated to telling the in-depth stories we need today more than ever. And the Sun is supported by readers and listeners like you. Right now, you can head to coloradosun.com and become a member, starting at $5 per month for a basic membership, and if you bump it up to $20 per month, you'll get access to our exclusive politics and outdoors newsletters. Thanks for starting your morning with us, and don't forget to tune in again tomorrow.